Hello, and welcome to People Keep Dying, a podcast about people who die. I'm your host, Angela, and today I'm joined by Alice Little. She is a sex worker at the Moonlight Bunny Ranch, but you used to work at the Sagebrush Ranch as well, correct? Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for having me as a guest. No problem. I'm really happy to actually not cover a murder or even like a weird death we were actually going to talk about someone who died the way that he would have wanted to die i think you guys I would definitely yeah i definitely would say so passing in his sleep after having a sexual experience not a bad way to go yeah and partying all night with his friends and like having something to look forward to the next day like it's great like he probably he died the way that most people would like to have died and of course we're talking about dennis hoff who is the owner of um seven or six bunny ranches mm-hmm. he Nevada. owned the largest number of legal brothels in the state of nevada yes and um i'm gonna just do a quick like what he did like a very short explanation of who he is um dennis hoff was born october 14th 1946 and before going into lethal legal brothel business he was most known for uh he's basically most known for dennis owned a couple of gas stations and also worked in timeshare i believe that mm-hmm. he talked about in his book um his autobiography the art of a pimp um, he purchased the bunny, Moonlight Bunny Ranch in 1992, and he kind of revitalized the whole brothel industry because at that before then, brothel owners were basically low profile and let the customers do whatever they wanted, and then they had a price set for the house. But Dennis basically let people become like their own like independent contractors, and that includes price so that you at yourself can set the price correct mm-hmm. he saw the way that things were being conducted within the industry a number of the ladies would patronize his gas stations and he would hear stories about things that would happen and you know he wasn't really thrilled with the way that the ladies in this industry were being treated He didn't like the fact that they were required to work long hours of shifts, that they had to accept whatever the house prices were. And so when he went into the industry, he decided to completely revolutionize it. He introduced sales classes, which was completely new and had never been done before in the industry. He started to give the girls business advice. He started to treat them rather as sex workers he treated them as sex entrepreneurs. And he also encouraged all you guys to like set goals from like what he told the reporter on courts. He would tell girls like, you know, you could work five years and work hard and talk to a financial advisor and basically set yourself for a win and then like later in life so that you actually had something that like you weren't going to go broke trying like like a lot of sex workers unfortunately do because they don't learn any of the financial aspects of like what you do when you get all this money and from what i understand he mm-hmm. did teach all of you or not teach but offered lessons on how to make sure that you guys are all financially secure which i thought was amazing oh yes you figure dennis brought in financial advisors completely free of charge to the ladies just to simply advise us to give us solid information how do we plan for taxes at the end of the year as an independent contractor what kind of llc is most appropriate for the industry what kind of write-offs are we able to take on our taxes those things well they sound pretty um unremarkable are actually quite remarkable because what he essentially did was empower women. He took an industry that was sexist and he made it feminist where the women are the one who win. The women are the one who earn. The women are the one who are successful. And that is such a beautiful thing. I'm just, I was actually shocked to read all of that because I didn't know too much about him. And, you know, all you ever hear about are the bad things about the sex industry. And, like, for him to be someone who was so against, like, sex trafficking and really wanting to help felt like 
you know, he he wasn't what the media portrayed him to be. And I kind of appreciate that. But of course, you know him more more personally than most people would. So I have had the opportunity to work with Dennis for the past three years. You figure I'm the most successful sex worker in my industry, which, of course, made me to be the most successful employee that he had had underneath him Mm -hmm. as such. I have the privilege of getting to chat with him fairly frequently about work and all sorts of business concepts. Did, was there anything that like, he told you that maybe you want to share? Oh, yes. Just women he, in general. He had this saying to always be future minded, to always be looking forward, that life is lived essentially in one direction and that if you're not focusing on the future, you're standing still. In this industry, it is absolutely real impossible for somebody to walk in, fall in love with the lady, and he be a multimillionaire. And all of a sudden, her financial life and profile is completely changed. And then hope that he doesn't, you know, just kind of leave you in the dust in the future as well, because you have to be financially independent as well. Exactly. It's all about knowing how to manage money. And he wanted to set people up for long-term sustainable success. He, he wanted the girls to be able to retire. He loved the idea that this industry gave women the power to be able to take control of their lives and determine the direction that they wanted them to go in. Was there like an age typically where um, you would usually retire at a brothel or one of his brothels? Like, is there like an age, around an age like where women usually step away from the whole thing? Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say to ages, like a retirement age? Ooh, well, you figure among the ladies, it totally varies because at a certain point, retirement gets to be a choice where You have the financial backing that you can say, you know what, I could retire, but you know what, I really love this career in this industry, and I'm going to choose to keep going. Air Force Amy is a classic example of someone who could have retired seven, eight, nine, ten times over, and yet she stayed so dedicated to this industry and the continuation of it. And do you guys still currently have, like, the free sex for um, armed forces that she introduced? I believe she is still offering that special. That's oh. the, it's the beauty of independent contractors is that each lady is able to choose what kind of specials she offers. So, like, I offer a military discount. A lot of the other ladies offer a military discount. Air Force Amy rolled out a special program a couple years back for military servicemen. It's just about a way to give back to people who give so much. We choose who we see, when we see them, what services to offer, and we get to say no at any point in time for any reason. And it's only because of Dennis that that has become the industry standard. Now, within all of the legal brothels, that has truly become the standard for operation. I believe there's only one rural brothel left that still maintains a, a fixed price rate. And even then, I imagine over the next few years, we're going to see that business model no longer be successful. Because I I do feel like you do bring more customers in as well if you have an incentive. So it's like you make more money, the, the owners make more money. It's kind of a win-win situation. Mm-hmm. You figure when people are tr- being treated well at work and they have a good work environment, they're happy to be there. Like, I could have retired from this job a couple of months ago, but... I love this. I'm so into this and dedicated to this. And the company treats me so well that I I don't want to leave. They have such good employee culture in that way where it truly feels like a supportive house of women who are all trying to build each other up. It's very normal now to see women in the hallway chatting about upcoming photo shoots, talking about their plans for different promotions, figuring out how can we make the pool party even more fun and enjoyable for guests. And again, 
Dennis very much so led by example. That's who he was. When he came into the bunny ranch, he would sit and offer to buy the girls a drink, gather around, let's hang out. And then he would start talking business. He would share successful investments. He would tell us stories of failed investments and things that he messed up, mistakes that he had made so we could learn from those. It, it was really wonderful. And I appreciated that so, so much. And in his um, autobiography, he mentioned that he only dates sex workers or people in the industry. Um, <laughs> was, was he like a recurring customer, you would say, in your place of work? No, I, okay. I did not have any kind of intimate relations with Dennis Hoff. That wasn't something I was interested in. Mm -hmm. And again, because it's an independent contractor status, you can say no to anyone at any point in time for any reason that you so choose. And he respected that. And so, that's amazing. Yeah. So you figure, did he have relationships with some of the ladies? Yes. But they were consensual relationships mm -hmm. in which the women were choosing to engage in them. There was never any force or coercion or pressure. It wasn't, oh, if you don't date the boss, you're going to lose your job. Like, no, that that's not what it was. It seems better than most industries at this point, honestly. Yeah. At the same time, we can talk about the fact that mm, maybe it does cross some like employee-employer boundaries to go into intimate relationships. That's absolutely open for debate. I, I do think it's questionable. Personally, I'm not really sure where the ethics do fall on that. At the same time, I think it's important to be mindful of how somebody grew up generationally and what was considered acceptable and professional in that place and time. Like you had said, Dennis was an older gentleman who entered this industry kind of as a second career after already building up a successful business of gas stations and selling timeshare properties. As such, he probably did have some antiquated and outdated ideas in regards to the ethics around dating employees. You do see that with the old generation, but I do admit that like him revolutionizing the industry was a really big deal because he had very, um, I would say, even more liberal ideas of how women should be treated in that aspect at the very least. Mm-hmm. Absolutely so. Dennis self-identified as being a feminist. He considered himself an ally to women's rights and women's rights organizations. The Bunny Ranch would always have a donation box in all of our parlors. And still to this day, we've kept this tradition going that features a local charity. Oftentimes, that looked like us donating money to women's shelters and covering programming expenses for them because he always wanted to give back to the community. That really gave him so much. Um, so I'm going to shift over to the day he died because it was kind of an interesting way that he was found. On October 16, 2018, following the weekend of partying for his 72nd birthday, Dennis was found unresponsive by Ron Jeremy. And that must have been crazy. Like, let's unpack that sentence. Dennis Hoff, 72 years old, had a crazy whirlwind of a birthday weekend where he celebrated with Ron Jeremy and all sorts of celebrities. He then had intercourse consensually with one of the ladies, mm -hmm. received two ice pops from the cashier before bed. It was kind of a joke like, oh, we know Dennis had a good night. He asked for sugar-free ice pops. And, <laughs> and so he had a wonderful evening. And then he passed away in his sleep. There's no signs that he was in any distress. He, he literally got to slip away after the most idealistic birthday weekend. I, I have to say, at his eulogy, they truly said it best. Dennis died in the way every man dreams of dying. I would say every person dreams of dying because honestly, if I was going to go, that would be the best possible way I could go. Mm -hmm. It's 
it's amazing. Like I never get to cover people who died peacefully in their sleep after a rager, with, <laughs> you know, with Ron Jeremy finding me like that. Like Ron Jeremy of all people, the world famous porn star finds him like, Oh my God. We, we were almost joking about it a little bit. Well, while also processing the fact that Dennis had passed that <laughs> He would love the headlines so much. He's probably in heaven right now, just chuckling to himself, thinking this is funny as can be. Because, like, that's the kind of humor that he had. Oftentimes, in promoting the Bunny Ranch, he had to do alternative media things. Not, yes. a, lot of, not a lot of people realize this, but... The Bunny Ranch and the legal brothel industry is not able to pay for promotion. We can't run ads. We can't have billboards. We can't be in magazines or newspapers. But the news is able to write stories about us. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes there would be all sorts of funny promotional things happening that the media would write about. Everything from for the summer we're going to allow girls an additional percentage to help pay off their student loans. We're going to match the student loan payments. We're doing a virgin prom auction, like we're going to auction off someone's virginity. I all remember that, yeah. Things. Oh yeah, and some of them were very controversial, like a virgin like a, a virgin auction. That's a little crazy, like definitely controversial. But it was worth talking about, mm -hmm. which which is what the I guess really the end goal of it was was let's talk about this. The bunny ranch is here; it's in existence. We have legal brothels as an option in this country, and people don't know about it. The awareness and knowledge of it simply isn't there. And I see that like after he passed because he had, um, you know, run for state legislate, like legislator, and then ended he, up winning after. Oh, like, it's so great. It was crazy. It was so amazing. He had, he had signs out saying that he had died. So like people were voting for him, even despite the fact that. That he, he died. died. Yeah. Like, I really wonder how his opponent feels about being beaten by a dead man. Like, that's got to be a little strange. It's very, it's embarrassing, but at the same time, it's like, man, do people, did, did they just not want anyone at that point? Because where did it, where did they, like, think that the seat was going to go if he died? Well, or when he's already dead, sorry. Well, you, you figure, um... The way it worked is that another person from his political party was appointed to that seat. So essentially, he was running saying, do you want this Democrat or would you want a different Republican? And people said, hey, we want a different Republican. We're voting for Dennis because we want the things that he was running on, water rights, freedoms, lower taxes for rural Nevada. He saw the need in some of these rural counties, which let's be frank and real here, are very poor, very rural counties, oftentimes with elderly communities that aren't getting the support they need. Things like property tax increases are the difference between someone being able to keep their home or being forced to sell it and move into a retirement community. Like, he saw those things and was horrified by them, which is why he decided to get in politics. He believed mm -hmm. he could make valuable, genuine change. And he felt so passionately about it that he decided to run for office. Not once, but twice. Yes, because he didn't. Well, he ran as a libertarian, I think, the very first time. But I think he realized he needed to join a bigger party if he wanted a chance at the seat. That is correct. Dennis. Mm -hmm was very much so a rhino, a Republican in name only, in my opinion anyway. I think, and, and again, just my opinion, I've always thought that Dennis was more of a libertarian at heart. He was always for 
freedoms, small businesses. He very much so upheld the values of the Libertarian Party. Then again, one could theoretically argue that some of the values of the Republican Party aren't too far off in terms of conservatism around small government and wanting businesses to be able to have control. Like, I can see why he chose to go with the Republican Party. I can see that the ends justified the means in that case. And it's probably surprising in a lot of ways that um, someone who'd owned brothels would be running for the Republican Party because they are known to be more conservative and kind of more against something along what what line of business he was in. You would think that, yeah. but, and this is terribly interesting, I, I've always been a little bit more liberal-leaning, liberal-minded, but when the legalization of Nevada brothels were challenged, it was the conservatives that came to our support and defense. They said, no, this is legal enterprise. You are valid and we stand with you. This, what's happening right now, this threat against a legal industry is an abomination. We had the local Republican party for Nevada show their support, come out and assist us in educating the public about who we are and what we do. When you take the stigma out of the industry and look at it as just another legal industry, of course the Republicans would be the ones to defend that. Yeah, you pay your taxes, you pay your business license fees, you have a right to do business. That's essentially what they were defending. And it's really cool to see that they were willing to look past the stigma associated with this industry, which really cannot be downplayed. Like, talking of crazy industry stigma, I literally just this morning received an email from a company that had previously reached out to me to do social media influencing for them. I guess they didn't do their research or something, but they sent me a nasty email demanding I take down the social media post and cancel the partnership immediately. That's crazy. I'm By sorry. the way, that company's name is Fab Fit Fun. Oh, you wow. Not support them. They are not a genuinely feminist business. They do not genuinely support women, and their actions show that they have no issues judging someone for a perfectly legal career. And at the end of the day, guys, you contacted me. Yes, did they not know what you did? Like you just saw like your follower account and assumed that you were just an influencer but didn't read your profile in any way or look? Apparently, like, hi, I'm the Alice Little. You can literally go to my website, thealicelittle.com. And it's very clear that I am an open and proud sex worker. I'm an advocate, an educator. I am involved in politics for my industry. I live this. I breathe this. I am out to my family, my friends. Everyone in my life knows what I do. I am literally the most vocal and out there advocate for this. So it just blows my mind to receive that kind of response in turn. How unprofessional. Do you see yourself going into politics after like your stint at the Bunny Ranch? I wouldn't say politics so Mm -hmm. much as lobbying. Okay. Like advocacy as well. Mm -hmm. Dennis, and again, going back to Dennis here, Seeing what he did for the Nevada brothel industry inspired the hell out of me. The fact that he was giving rights and the ability to succeed beyond their wildest dreams to women that otherwise may be judged poorly by society, that's incredible. I want to continue his legacy. I want to be the person who takes brothels out of Nevada and brings them from coast to coast legally that's my goal i believe that that's a really good goal because i've always thought to myself it was kind of weird to kind of punish women for trying to do something that you know like 
they want to do. And that's the problem with sex trafficking as well. It's like without any legal outlets for people to go and, you know, be able to buy it, it's that's what they're forced into. Yeah. Doing something illegal and dangerous. Exactly. They create criminals by eliminating the legal industry. Like when we criminalized alcohol in the 1930s, do you think that bars went away? No, they went underground and went to this illegal black market of bootlegging alcohol that literally killed people. You had gangsters and mobsters involved and really crazy stuff happening because it was unregulated industry. When you legalize it, you tax it, and you have it in the foreground as a part of society, it's a benefit to society. You figure sex workers provide a service to the community that is desperately needed. And that service is the acceptance. It's feeling loved for who you are without judgment. Sex workers are amongst the most non-judgmental, caring, giving and kind human beings on the planet. Like these are the women that literally, I I have one coworker who drives around with little care packages for homeless people. She has socks and food and medical care. Like she's got Advil in there in case they need anything. She's got like band-aids, water bottles, like, She's got tampons for women that are homeless just because she's such a kind-hearted person that if she ever is out and about and sees somebody in need, this way she's able to help. I have coworkers that literally have donated thousands of dollars to support nonprofit charities, animal shelters that have assisted their time and volunteered in children's hospitals, all sorts of amazing things that people would never expect. It's kind of amazing to hear just, um, I guess, like the varying, like you, you don't normally think that. I think a lot of people don't view a lot of people in the sex industry as people, unfortunately. And it's, it is really amazing to see like what, what people do on their free time and just to listen to like just the kindness in like the hearts of people who really just want to help it's true no one enters this industry because they're looking to make a quick dollar that's not the motivation though that's oftentimes the social perception oh she wants money she wants this yeah and it's like no that's that's not the motivation at all it's not like the majority of people because obviously there's there's always going to be some... Always, always, always. that's not everyone. Mm Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, people take that Hollywood stereotype and blow it out of proportion to the point that we assume that is the norm. I've always said that I know my job is done when the media no longer looks at me as being remarkable. I'm not remarkable. I'm a successful sex worker. I'm one of many. By all means, I am different. I do my own thing. I'm the first person to bring sex education into the brothel system. And I definitely have done things. I don't want to downplay my own success. But like, at the same time, I don't want the media treating me as remarkable just because I'm a successful sex worker. Like, treat me as remarkable for the right reasons, maybe, but like, you know, this shouldn't be so taboo. It shouldn't be so, oh, she's a sex worker and she chooses to do that job? Oh my God, how unheard of. Well, well, actually, there's lots of women that want to be legal sex workers but there isn't a way for them to enter the industry legally. I've heard there's a big list to get into Bunny Ranch as well if you want to be a worker there. There is, there is, there is a waiting list. It is an application process. And the reality is there are not enough Nevada brothels to support 
the number of women that wish and want to enter this industry. As such, women have to wait. Why not open more brothels, guys? Why not extend this? Because clearly society is wanting it. We have workers looking to participate in it. And let's be frank, we have a nation that's in trillions of dollars of debt right now. Maybe a new multi-billion dollar economy is a good idea. We can tax it for society's benefit. And just like alcohol, when we tax it, we can use those tax dollars to offset any social ills caused by that industry's existence. And I think... That's what they're doing with the weed industry as well. Exactly. It, it's funny you mentioned that. I, I recently had the opportunity not too long ago. Once again, thank you, Dennis. He, he knew I was interested in lobbying. So he sent an email to some of the top marijuana lobbyists and said, hey, I have this girl. She's interested in learning what it looks like to make systematic change and get a new industry legalized. She wants to bring sex work out of Nevada and take it to the other 50 states. And I think you're the right people to mentor her. And I got to sit down with these people and they were so kind, so wonderful, forthright with information, knowledge and suggestions. Oh my goodness. Like it was such a cool experience. And again, I get to thank Dennis for that. It was a positive influence that he brought into my life. And goodness knows he didn't have to do that. That was truly a kindness. Do you think he learned while running the business? Because um, he wrote about it in his own book. Like towards, he had, his book was obviously filled with all of his friends and colleagues, you know, talking him up and saying he's a great person. But he interestingly ended it with um, the I guess like the accusations that Cami Parker had, as well as a psychologist calling him a narcissist. So when asked why he would put that in his own book, he just said that like, you know, all points of view should be out there. And do you think like when he hears stuff like that or he does anything, he learns from every experience and he does adjust? Or do you think like maybe when he was alive that he kind of still did what he wanted? I feel like until the day we die, we never stop learning and growing as people. Mm -hmm. We can always improve. We can always be more self-aware and understand our internal motivations better. I believe Dennis was one of the rare individuals who truly worked on himself until the day he died. He was always open to feedback, always open to different viewpoints. You figure if he was a, a true narcissist, as let's say that psychologist was saying, I don't believe he would have had the ability to be self-aware and acknowledge it. And let's say he is a narcissist. I'm not a medical professional. I can't make a diagnosis. Even if that was the case, he acknowledged that viewpoint. He didn't push it away or deny it. He said, okay, that's a valid viewpoint. I'm going to give people that opinion as well. And I do have to admit that like not a lot of people would do that. So I felt like it did kind of change not my change my mind because I didn't really have like a lot of opinions, but um, just kind of gave me a different viewpoint about him because he didn't have any shame of what other people were saying about him either. Mm hmm. Oh, oh, yes. And this is something that I've been thinking about a lot lately. A, a lot of people, I'm sure, are peripherally aware of the YouTube beauty community and the fact that the YouTube beauty community has a lot of drama within oh, it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just recently, there was some drama involving James, Charles, and Tatiana in regards to some falling out with the friendship and essentially... The internet took it as a rallying cry to, quote, unquote, cancel James Charles, which mm -hmm. I don't follow that community. I do not have any judgments or opinions on that situation. But what I extrapolated from that is that 
why are we throwing people away in society? People aren't trash. Cancel culture and the, the idea that people are all good or all bad is really toxic when it comes down to it. I've always had the opinion that people are a mixed balance sheet of good and bad. Everyone has personality traits that are excellent and personality flaws. That's mm -hmm. true of all people. And yet with celebrities, we'll initiate cancel culture because we don't like a sentence that they said or an opinion that they had. When and some it's not giving them an opportunity to change or like learn as well. Like what's mm -hmm. what's wrong with just giving them a chance to learn? Because how unfair is it to judge, judge someone and be like, that's what you are? People have the capacity to adapt, learn, grow, and change. I've always felt that people are not disposable. When we someone, when we see someone that's made a mistake or maybe done wrong, we as society should help that person reconcile and understand the mistakes they made and then help them if if applicable to make reparations to the communities that they've damaged, the peoples that they have harmed, to genuinely and forthright apologize. But there has to be a point in which people are then able to re-enter society and be accepted without being permanently judged for whatever that thing may be. And I think both in life and in death that people, need to not be judged based off a single facet of themselves. People are jewels. We're multifaceted. We have multiple opinions, multiple viewpoints, various parts of our personalities that make us unique and essentially the individuals that we are. I mean, in my opinion, I've always thought that that is the true treasure of human connection is the fact that all of us are so different and complex. I, I love that about humanity. It's honestly the reason why I got into this profession is because I just love people so much. And I had a question. What do you think is going to happen to um, the Biting Ranch now that Madame Suzette took over? You know, I see this as being a really positive step in the right direction. Now... We have a feminist industry being spearheaded by a female. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. A female holds the record for the most number of legal brothel licenses. A female is the one who is now empowering these women and giving them the opportunity to achieve and succeed. And I'm so excited to see where her vision takes this company over the next few years. She's because she's been in the industry for about 30 years or so or more. Yes. She entered not long after Dennis initially purchased the ranch. He hired her within a couple of weeks when he first assumed ownership to take over the door position. She then worked through quite literally every single role of the company from cashier, accounting, she done the finances. Now, she was never a working girl. Let's be clear. She didn't work that side of the industry. But mm -hmm. the back end, she's done cashiers. She's been a door host. She's been a bartender. She is a humble human being who, if, let's say, one of our employees went into labor unexpectedly, like we have a cashier that's pregnant at the moment. Like, mm -hmm. let's say she went into labor at work and, oh, my God, no one else is available to cover. I have no doubt in my mind that Suzette would come and work as a cashier for the day because that's what's needed. She's she's a team player. She's a leader, a quality leader at that. And I think that she is going to bring real positive influence to the bunny ranch. So I, I'm, I'm just so excited. It's going to be such a good summer and such an exciting next few years to come for the industry.
That's amazing to hear. Like, it's just, I'm almost out of words, like how passionate you are. And just it's so great to hear someone who is in the industry, very much advocating for it and talking about a man who did change it in such a positive light as well, but also seeing that he does you know, there are both sides of him. He's not been, no one's perfect. And it's, I'm glad to hear you basically, um, I guess, confront that or be okay with the fact that he is a multifaceted person. Absolutely. I'm a multifaceted person. You're a multifaceted person. Everyone has things in their life that they regret. Everyone has incredible successes that they are proud of. We need to stop judging and start accepting people in life as well as in death. We have to be kind. We have to be caring. We have to be human to each other, like human kind. That like we have, it's literally right in the sentence itself, human kind. Be kind to your fellow human beings for we are each other's community. We are family essentially in the way that we as the human race are all progressing towards the same betterment of society for everyone. We all want to see a cancer treatment emerge that's successful. Heck, we all want to see a cancer cure emerge. That's something that benefits everyone in society. And we all care about that. When that day comes, all of humanity will celebrate. In my opinion, we shouldn't just celebrate the big wins of society. Yay, we cured cancer, but you know what? We should be celebrating the little things in society. Like, wow, around the globe, there are LGBT rights happening and people's minds are changing every single day. The Catholic churches are reversing some of their opinions about LGBT relationships. And I just think that's so beautiful. Um, so as I end this podcast, I'm going to, um, I found some kind of interesting news that I wanted to see if was accurate or if you knew about, mm-hmm. but according to TMZ, um, Dennis's last resting place, which was, was the mattress he was on, was sold to paranormal investigator Zach Baggins. And it was the same mattress that Lamar Odin OD'd on in 2015. Yeah. Well, what I mattress was sold. Like I didn't know if this was like general news, but I did find it online, so I wasn't sure if you were allowed to say anything about it. But he was going to. Um, put it up in his haunted mansion in Las Vegas with Ted Bundy's glasses. Like he has a lot of paranormal and I think the murder philia stuff. So I didn't know if you knew anything about that. Well, I can confirm that the mattress does exist, that it wasn't say it was indeed the same bed that Lamar overdosed on that Dennis passed away on. That mattress is somewhere in the state still. And soon more information will come to light about where that mattress (laughs) may be. Because it wasn't 100% confirmed, but there there is talk. So there is talk. And you're right. Nothing is 100% confirmed at this time. I certainly cannot confirm, nor can I deny anything, but I can definitely confirm that mattress does exist. It truly was as crazy and unbelievable as it may be, literally three years to the day that Lamar, that Lamar overdosed, that Dennis passed away on that bed. And do you think Dennis would have loved it? Like, loved the fact that someone bought the mattress after he died on it? Like, do you think he would have loved it? Or do you think he would have found it a little weird? Are you kidding? 
me, Dennis would have thought it was the greatest thing ever. Dennis, Dennis would have wanted his funerary services to look like a national parade with all of the ladies getting dates to the event. Like Dennis <laughs> lived larger than life. And even in death, he still is really larger than life. I mean, he won a seat in the Senate after he was already dead. Who does that? Dennis Hoff does that. Um, were the girls all like not working at the time of his funeral or did everyone still continue to work because that's maybe what he wanted? And was there like a big party afterwards? Cause I feel like he might've wanted like a big celebration of his life. After it his was, death. it was, you figure we, we did have a celebration of life memorial service for the first time in the history of the bunny ranch. The doors were closed and the business was shut mm -hmm. for the duration of the service. So all staff and ladies would be able to attend. But yeah. by all means, when we got word of his passing that night, there was a conversation amongst the ladies and staff of, do we close for the evening? What would Dennis do? What would Dennis have wanted us to do? Dennis would want us to break open a bottle of champagne. He would want us to all be sitting in the parlor together, supporting each other and telling stories and making it fun, making it a safe place to share those emotions. That's what he would have wanted. And so that is exactly what we did. You figure the Bunny Ranch is very much so a community. And our guests are a part of that community too. They mourned just like we mourned when Dennis died. They felt it just like we felt it. They supported us and we were there for them too. Like very much so he had an impact on everyone that he met. Anybody, you walked into the Bunny Ranch and Dennis would wave, hey, can I buy you a drink? Come tell me about yourself. He treated everyone like royalty. He was such, such a kind human being and such an accepting human being of people just the way that they were without judgment. He never judged the sex workers. He never judged the guests. He never judged his employees. He just accepted everyone and appreciated them. And it's such a rare thing in society for someone to be able to do that. And so I really just, you know, oh, I'm getting all choked up now thinking <laughs> about it. Like, oh, you know, I just, I really appreciate him. He, he was a really cool guy. Mm -hmm. I'm glad to hear that he kind of I, I'm in the end I'm really happy that like just to hear about someone who died exactly the way he died you don't really get to hear a lot of people die you know celebrating their own life in a party that crazy in their own sleep like I'm so glad that he got to uh, Bob Zamuda was giving the eulogy and said Dennis fuck you <laughs> really that's how you died? Really? Fuck you. Like, wow. What do you even say? Like, he had it all. God bless him. Like, he really had it all. Like, he had brothels. He had a birthday celebration. Like, oh, my God. It's incredible. So, um, in case, like, our my viewers didn't realize, you actually reached out to me because I think you're interested just in general about, you know, deaths and stuff. So, I had a question for you on, like, do you have a type of death that you are more interested in? Like, is there something that when you read on the news or you read a story about what piques your interest? I do. It's really, really morbid, but mm -hmm. I'm utterly fascinated by drownings because yes. it's such an abnormal and unusual way to go that there usually are complicating like situations and for me, like, oh, it's always just such fascinating cases to see how, how did they end up dying of water inhalation? Oh my God. Like, something happened and I just think that's so so cool and yeah that's actually why I ended up reaching out to you is because I love your show and I was like 
you know what? I want to talk about this. This would be kind of fun. Thank you. I'm so I'm so glad you got to listen in before this big podcast change that I did. But thank you so much. And you know, I have to admit, I always find like anything where it's accidental or like structural buildings or like sinkings to be interesting because it's something that you can't control. Yes. Oh, oh my goodness. Some of the structural stuff when it comes to earthquakes. Oh, that stuff is so neat. Yeah. Well, anyways, thank you so much for taking time <laughs> for your day for this It's interview. like, did we, just, did we just become, like, morbid best friends for a yes, second? Like, it. wait a minute. Yes, I love stuff like that. I'm like, oh, that is so cool. Yes. And if <laughs> you would like to be on the podcast, make just reach out and let me know, and I'll find a story we can talk about. Oh, that sounds like so much fun. I would love that. Like, oh, my gosh. You figure, like, there's lots of interesting deaths associated with the independent and unfortunately criminalized sex work industry. And some of those might be interesting. Yes, there's way too many, unfortunately, but there are a lot of them, which I have Mm -hmm. read. So Yeah, and maybe even just talking about the fact that sex workers keep dying in SESTA-FOSTA. That could be a really interesting episode. I would love to talk to you about that in the future. So um, I guess to our viewers, if you would also like it, let me know. And I'll be sure that we get Alice back for another episode. Thank you so much for being a guest. And um, yeah, I guess I'll end the episode with, if you would like to reach us, please email us at peoplekeepdying at gmail.com. If you want to plug in your Instagram and your website, you can do that right now. Oh, yes. If anybody would like to visit my website, it is www.thealicelittle.com. You can always reach out to me over email, alicelittle at bunnyranch.com. I welcome any and all questions, comments, feedback. If there's something you want to know about the industry or some weird sex question that you have but have never been able to ask someone, hi. I'm a legal sex worker. I am a safe person for you to ask those questions. I got you. And right now I usually plug a podcast I've been listening to or is a friend of the podcast. And I'd like to talk about time for your hobby or mention them and say, go listen to them. Um, He interviews people about their hobbies, which is super interesting because I listened to one about K-pop and I loved it because I'm Korean. So So, um, if you have time, listen to them. But um, until next time, hopefully you guys don't die. Bye. Bye.